you don't answer the table tonight. Don't you need everybody to move? If the ref gets in your way, you hear them? We ain't apologizing for nothing today. They'll take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? They'll take care of y'all mental. Welcome into the Fantasy Flexecution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Palshotti. With me now and forever, my boys, Kyle Settle and Devin Spawn. What's going on, fellas? Hey, pal. Happy to be here. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Oh <laughs> chicka, chicka, yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, so I'm kind of struck. This is the worst time of the year for me because football's over, hockey's in the playoffs, and the Flyers suck, so they're never in the playoffs. I'm not a big basketball guy, and every year I try to get into baseball, and I fade by, like, June. Well, so you're, a, what do you you're guys a Philadelphia do? fan, so it makes sense that <laughs> yeah. you fade by June. Yeah, it's my cross the bear. So what do you guys do this time in the sports calendar? Because I'm fucking lost. Oh, dude, you, you already know what I do. So you're living back in my hometown near St. Louis, and you messaged me within, like, what, uh, an hour and a half of being there talking about what a baseball town it is. You know St. Louis is oh, all yeah. about them cards. Mm-hmm. So easy for me. That's what I'm doing. I know Devin's an NBA guy, and they've got the what like three months of the NBA postseason coming up. So I'm sure you can follow that. <laughs> um, with all the football stuff over with, uh, yeah, I mean the, the Bucks basketball gearing up for some playoff runs here, playing stage going on now. Uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, the play- NBA playoffs should end late June or July now. I think I don't know, but besides that, I mean anyone who knows me really well knows I'm a giant nerd and. I just watch a lot of video game stuff. League of Legends yeah. MSI is going on this weekend. I I'd set my 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 sleep schedule up for it. I'll be like, okay, well I gotta wake up at seven a.m. to watch Cloud Nine. Yeah, that sounds like team. That sounds like us on deployment when we're halfway across the world trying to figure out what time do we have to wake up to watch the Super Bowl. Oh, two in the morning. Great. Yeah. Oh yeah, but yep, never yeah, mind. We don't actually <laughs> have the TV, so you woke up at two for nothing. Oh, oh my god! So <laughs> oh my god! Such a good Super Bowl to watch too. I know. Oh, especially Shoddy wasn't there. That was lucky for him. He wasn't there. I couldn't imagine what he would be like. That was the Philly New England Super Bowl. Yep. And God, I couldn't imagine what Shoddy would have been like if he was there waking up at two a.m. and he couldn't watch Philly win the only Super He'd Bowl have in franchise a mental history. Breakdown. Oh, for sure. Yeah, overboard. That second, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I'm ending it right there. All right, boys. Well, I think it's about time we move into the news. Ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! X-Street, X-Street, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. All right, so Deshaun Hamilton sounds like uh, sounds like a playwright. Release torn ACL. Hamilton. Any news? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Hamilton. All right. Yes, because yeah. it's Hamilton. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. Do you guys care? No, the only thing I remember about Deshaun Hamilton was Rob Sprout oh, loved him when he was a rookie, and nothing happened. It's and Penn State guy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's why he robs a Penn State fan. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Yeah, All right, whatever. Uh, the the only thing of note is that he was released by Denver and also towards ACL on the same time frame. If it wasn't for the ACL tear, I'd say maybe he picks up somewhere and becomes fantasy relevant as a spot start. But with a torn ACL, now he's going to be in his mid to late twenties before he picks on somewhere. Yeah, not really noteworthy. 
All right, moving on. Kelvin Benjamin tried out with the Giants. <laughs> Much more. <laughs> can't, help but la- can't help but laugh at that. I mean, why are we even talking about this? What are we doing? Yeah, whatever. Moving on. No, no right. one cares. It, it, yeah. It's Tim Tebow-esque. Yeah. Best case is he makes the roster and probably isn't active on Sundays. Like, who cares? It, what did it say? What position he's trying out on us? Because I mean, he was like two fifty as a wide left receiver guard. before he left. He, yeah, he's he's legitimately he signed as a tight end to try out as a tight end. Was it really? Yeah. Oh my. So God. he yes. finally finally sucked it up and. Uh, what, what is all with all over. these retreads trying out as tight ends after being out of the I, game for five years or ten? I, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, there's no logical you know reasoning behind that. I don't think. But the Giants are going to try anything to be competitive. So yeah, why not? All right, moving on. Antonio Brown, hold the phone. He got sued. What? Oh, my gosh. We're back in this stage again. Who would have thought for assault and battery? As a Chris Godwin dynasty owner, I'm I'm kind of hoping that this is finally like the final strike <laughs> for Antonio <laughs> Brown. Just, just throwing just, the clink for, for yeah, a little while. Just completely selfishly like get him the hell out of there because it limits the upside for the other receivers in Tampa. But as far as actual fantasy impact and redraft, you're probably not drafting AB. And then Dynasty, like I'd say, probably trying to sell as soon as you can. Most likely, if nothing you can, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Kyle. I don't know if you even want to talk about this. So, Devin, what do you think about the Packers signing Blake Bortles? Um, it's it's a it's a who cares again, but yep. at least it's somebody who's familiar with that kind of offense. If yep. worst case scenario, Rodgers doesn't show up. Jordan Love gets hurt, sparks that thing. Like it's a who cares, but it's like hmm, interesting. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I don't think it means much. Every every team signs a backup quarterback around this time or in yeah, a month the, or two before camp. So and the Packers need it right now. Uh, Love and Rodgers, the only two quarterbacks under contract for Green Bay, so they needed a third body in there anyway. And Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, obviously going back, he was the one who made Bortles great all those years. Uh, great, sorry, I tossed that term around loosely. Who made Bortles not look like? a wet piece of dog turd back in 2017 when <laughs> Jacksonville was okay. Not just a dog turd, but a wet piece of a dog turd. <laughs> just a wet portion, <laughs> particle of a dog turd. God, that's disgusting. All right. <laughs> when you bring in the house on accident. Uh, a few more pieces of news. We could just fly by this. Charles Leno signed by Washington football team, and the Dolphins put in a claim for carry-on before he ended up getting picked up by the Eagles. Any thoughts on that? It's a good move for Washington, even if uh, Leno was sort of a surprise cut, but the Bears have been full of those this offseason. And he can, if, if nothing else, he'll provide death for Washington, who, who really looks like a challenger this year. I know later on in the offseason we'll get into our predictions, but I'm a big fan of everything the football team has done other than keeping their name the football team. Yeah, the Leno thing is, well, Jack what Kyle said, I'm not going to say a thing. Carry on's interesting. It would have been an interesting spot for him to go in uh, Miami, but yeah. yeah. It's just a claim, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, they put in a claim for carry-on, so it makes me think, obviously, they, they, they don't look at their running back room as complete. So if you guys had to put a confidence level, like a 1 to 10 on Miles Gaskin, what would it be? 1. I one, said it, really? I said, yeah, I said it after episode 1. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, and I don't want to steal your thunder. You bring up a good point of something that could be going on in this Dolphins backfield, but if I'm a Gaskins owner, I told you last time, get out. Get out while you still can. This guy is a calendar year at most away from just being completely irrelevant. When you got that starting running back and you know he's just a guy, get rid of him as soon as you can. Sell him for max value because that's where he's at right now. Uh, my confidence is like a six. Six. Him. Okay. Yeah. A little above average. I, I, I talked about him, I think, episode one a l- little more highly. Um, 
I think he's all right, and he's definitely serviceable. But as a season goes, uh, an NFL team is gonna want kind of like a little more out of him because he's like doesn't do anything special, you know. Like he's not an elite runner. He's not an elite uh, ball carrier. Doesn't run people over very, you know. He doesn't have any elite um, trait. That's what I'm getting at. So, yeah, he's just an average guy, and until they find someone who can do what he does but a little better, which it's you know happens pretty often in the NFL, especially a running back. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. I think I'd be about somewhere in the middle of you two, uh, probably like a three or four out of ten comments level on him. But I think it's more about how you look at him this year. Kyle said that he's basically a one-year rental, and how much do you value that one year? I mean, Kyle, yeah, you say one point. out of ten, so you must not be valuing that one potential that one year starting role in a fairly good offense at least that's what i think it's going to be you must not be valuing that too high or what yeah i I just don't think this year is even given i think that we're talking about his ceiling if you say he's yeah he's the starter for miami this year he keeps the job he plays 17 games i think that's his ceiling and i think if that happens he's maybe a high-end rb2 but didn't stay healthy last year okay so the injury concerns there if anyone else comes into this backfield they can take snaps away from him like it's nothing. He's just a guy out there selling for what you can while you can. And nobody's talking about Malcolm Brown. Loki, I think he's going to have a good right, amount of work yeah. in that offense. All right, guys. We're going to move on to our consensus running back rankings. we got 1 to 24 ranked, but we're only doing 1 to 12 today. So without further ado, let's move on to our number one ranked running back. And that is Christian McCaffrey, run CMC, the pride of Raleigh, North Carolina. Or Charlotte, North Carolina, excuse me. We're reloading is there any franchises real, here. Is there any real <laughs> debate? We'll start with you, Kyle. Uh, we all have him ranked at number one, and it seems like the Dynasty community as a whole has him ranked number one overall. Is there any real debate? What are your major concerns, and how close are you to moving him out of one, if at all? Uh, the answer is no, zero concerns, and I'm not close at all to moving him out anywhere. It's It seems it's so weird to me, and until you look it up and see it on paper – it seems like McCaffrey's been in the league for about three or four years longer than Saquon. They're the exact same age. They're both 24 years old right now. That's crazy to me. The fact that CMC is 24 years old and has already done what he's done, and he could be doing what he's doing now at an elite level for another three to five years, I don't I don't see any argument for any other running back at one-on-one. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. Christian McCaffrey's RB1. You're a guy that's going to catch... I don't know, between 70 and 100 passes, probably go mm-hmm. for 1,000 receiving yards again. Just, like I'm not going to get into it. Yes, number one <laughs> by far. Gotcha. I mean, I'd like to throw in the, but wait, there's more, but there really isn't. He's my number one. It's as simple as coming... the Mahomes debate, Mahomes debate whenever we were talking about quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. He's one I mean, move on. what you're worried about is a uh, coming off an injury, but I don't think you can worry enough to move him out of number one. I think his offense is only getting better. And even when his offense wasn't good, he was a top 10 back in the NFL. So by both skill level and uh, his actual output uh, performance on the field. So I think he's a uh, lock number one. So let's just move on to number two here. Saquon Barkley. Once again, we are all in in, uh, cahoots on this one. All ranked him at number two overall. Uh, Devin, Barkley's number two overall. I feel like a lot of people have been disappointed with Barkley over the years. Obviously, he was injured last year. Um, are you concerned with having him at number two, or are you just as comfortable having him at number two as you ha- as you are with McCaffrey at number one? Uh, I'm more concerned because of Barkley's kind of tread even already. 
So some of the injuries he's had being beat up in his 2019 season. Missed three, not too bad. And then last year, got hurt, or played, got hurt, came back, got more hurt, seriously. Um, the Giants' O-line's pretty good. Uh, I think, obviously, Bark is an explosive player, a guy who's going to catch passes and going to run the football well. Um, it's there, but when it comes to, like, I could, I could knock him from two down to number six or seven. Um, I think it's close. But for me, ranking him at two is his potential is to be the best running back in football, and I still think that's mm-hmm. definitely there for him. But he's the same age as CMC and only a year younger than Delvin Cook. So Very well. I'm going to pose the same question to you, Kyle. So you have a number two overall. Yep. They, ha- they made a lot of offseason additions. Do you think that's going to bring down his volume? Ugh. It's hard to tell with New York, and I don't ever want to – pretend like anything Jason Garrett's doing is making sense. I mean, we saw that for all those years in Dallas, so I won't try to predict the offense. The weapons have changed, but is there anyone in that offense other than Kenny Galladay that you really have confidence in to give uh, as a receiver 100 targets or uh, even anyone in the backfield tight end group? No one that they brought in is someone who's going to dominate touches. And that, that even goes as far as Galladay. Galladay's not a high-volume receiver. He does the most with what he gets, but he's not a guy who's going to command 150 touches. So I think Saquon's role as the focal point in the offense is still safe. Um, like Devin said, he, he still has the injury issue, sure, but this is a sport with a 100% injury rate. So until it's a problem, I'm, I'm not going to pretend it's a huge problem. But as far as ceilings go, he's got the highest in the league. I don't know how you compete anyone can put anyone against him. Like McCaffrey's got the highest floor, that's why he's number one. But there's not a running back out there with a higher ceiling than Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, you can undersell the weapons pretty easily. I mean, it's an easy argument to undersell guys like Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, who've had some boom games, but otherwise are inconsequential in the NFL and in fantasy. Uh, I think the addition of Kenny Galladay and um, Kadarius Tony only help him and I think that's why he's number two for me right now if he didn't have those offseason decisions I'm pretty sure I would have either Jonathan Taylor or Dalvin Cook ahead of him honestly because I I, we've seen him in that offense for years now and it's easy to just cue on him and if he has a bad day or doesn't break off one of those 40-yard runs you're looking at a a ho-hum day and he does he's not going to have a lot of touchdown opportunities with Daniel Jones as his quarterback and a piece together offensive line um, I just don't see the ceiling there unless they can put things around him to really uh, make the offense more variable. Okay, so bringing in Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, it opens up the offense a little bit for him as you continually invest in the offensive line, and I think it gives him more of an opportunity to run against lighter boxes, um, to be less predictable in that offense, and make maybe his yards per carry spikes this year, something like we haven't seen from him before. Um, and I think that's why I have him at number two. I think he's a great in a great spot right now. He's still young. I think that team in general is is going in the right direction, despite Dave Gettleman's best efforts. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's my number two. All right, guys. We're going to move on here to number three. Dalvin Cook. So he is my number four back. You guys both have him slotted in at number three. So I feel like I need to mention why he's my number four guy. Okay? So – He's number four because I know more about fantasy than you guys. Okay, so obviously I'm smarter. I believe you. Um, but I have Jonathan Teller ahead of him. We'll get to him next. But I love Dylan Cook. I think he's a really good back. I'm concerned about his shoulders 
as a running back, you take a lot of injury and a lot of punishment on your shoulders, and that's what prevented him, or that's what had him dropping in the NFL draft when he came out. He's dealt with those injuries since he's been in the league, as well as other injuries. Minnesota finally has put a, around a good offensive line around him. I honestly believe that. I know every you think year. So? Every, yes, I think every year people look at them and they say, "Oh, they're working on the offensive line, working on because they spend high draft capital on the offensive line all the time." But I finally think they have a good offensive line, and I think that division is kind of primed to get run all over. Uh, Detroit can't yeah. stop the run. Green Bay can't stop the run. Chicago is bleeding assets on the defensive yeah. side of the field this offseason. I think he's going to have a field day this year. I'm concerned about his long-term projection with the injuries. And the quarterback – situation in minnesota I, I don't think it's as stable as people are making it out to be the kirk cousins i it think they're, they're looking for an upgrade so how, how could you upgrade the only way you upgrade on cousins is if you move him because he as, as everyone knows he signed the fully guaranteed deal and he's got two years left on it that there's no way anyone else is coming in and starting it's going to be absolutely kirk cousins the next two years i don't think that's changing i don't see how it changes uh, i think trading him is how it changes who's and, gonna uh, pick up that contract though you've also seen teams take the biggest cap hits in the history of the league this offseason. Teams are getting sure. more comfortable with cutting bait now to try to get a rookie. They're not cutting or, cousins, though. What's his dead cap number, you know? Everything. It's a fully guaranteed contract. <laughs> well, what, what is it? I mean, is it more it's than like 30? It's like 30 it's 100, no, I'm talking about after this season. After this oh. season, going into next year, his cap hit like there's no potential out. That's that was the big deal about his contract is they had. No <clears> I mean, outs. Carson Wentz got team. traded with a 33 million dollar cap hit. Yeah, I mean, teams are willing to do it now. I honestly think that's going to be more common. Um, and you, when you start to see a team that that maxes out at 10 wins, or barely gets in the playoffs, and gets bumped in, in the first round, I mean, teams are not just settling for that anymore. Competing is not competing anymore. It's either. <laughs> Making a deep playoff run, or you're in purgatory. Sorry, I'm laughing over you because I just went to Spo Track and I had to check what the dead cap was. And even though I knew this ahead of time that it was the full contract amount, a forty-five million dollar dead cap is a lot to live with. At the end of next year, that's yeah, that's if they let go of him. Well, if they let go of him after 2021, so if they get out before his final year, forty-five mil. So you just keep pumping out mediocre quarterback play. You have to. You don't have a choice. Straight. You took that risk. I mean, it's terrible management I mean, to sign yeah, to it, it in the first place. It, but it, yeah. was, it was a bad, yeah, it was a bad deal for sure. But do you just live with the bad deal and just you hope have that to. he turn that at whatever older age that he is as quarterback position, he's just going to turn into you're not saving anything by letting guy, him go. So top it, five guy. Worst case is you're just benching him, but you don't cut him because you're not gaining anything by cutting him, other than maybe yeah, freeing I mean, up I'm, a man I'm not on saying the Sunday's roster. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to. They don't. They don't have to cut him, but I think they're going to be trying to bring in talent around him, compete with him. Well, that's why Mond is in. Probably he's very Kirk Cousins esque. They just think he can do what Cousins does better. Maybe. I mean, the guy started for three years in college and only got worse. But yeah, I mean, he's a third round pick for a reason. They can't yeah. all be day one picks. Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at a team that wants to run the ball a lot. So let's get back to Dalvin Cook. They want to run the ball oh, yeah. a lot, and uh, he's he's. Proven to be a great runner, great pass catcher, a better offensive line than he's had throughout his career there in Minnesota. So he's my number four guy, you guys number three guy. So tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, I'll go first quick. Um, uh, first, I didn't say anything about the Kirk Cousins stuff. It, it's running back show. I'll just say like one quick piece note on him. Uh, Kirk Cousins, like he can be a top 10 guy in fantasy because of the weapons around him and the offense around him is dynamic. But he's just kind of a 
average guy. He's like an Alex Smith, an average quarterback. But with the way the division is shaped in Minnesota, or not, wow, in Minnesota, the way the, the division is shaped in the NFC North, you just have to get through Green Bay. And if even if that's splitting Green Bay, uh, with Rodgers or without, let's say the Packers lose four games with Rodgers, well, the Vikings only lose four or five, which because they're a good enough team to, that team can win with Kirk Cousins because they are a running team. And it proves last year with Dalvin Cook's fantastic numbers. He's my RB3 um, because... Uh, last year was his, a career year for him. Career high touchdowns, career high fumbles, five. Uh, career high rushing yards, career high attempts. Um, the only thing wasn't was career high in receptions or receiving yards. But the guy was an animal, and um, the offense runs through him literally. And when sure when Madison comes in, he's pretty solid. But he's not the dynamic one cut game changer as Dalvin Cook is. This guy, even though his targets are for pass catching, aren't super high. He really is a uh, well. They've gone up, but he's a, he's a, he's a dynamic playmaker all over the field, and he's the Minnesota's. You no, know, uh, like well, not well, not linchpin. That's not the right word. He's, he's the Minnesota's engine. bell cow. There we go. He's the engine. He's what keeps. He's, he's what gets this offense going. I drafted him as a rookie. I've held on to him this whole time, and he's finally paid off as the superstar running back he is. Yeah, he's solid. I, I do want to pose a question because I don't think I have anything to input that hasn't already been said. Um, for McCaffrey and Barkley, would you trade either of them with the mindset that this is their peak value and you want to get return, or do you hold on to the two of them? Uh, Barkley, I would trade. Um, off of the CMC, injury, though? I would not. You would, um, you would trade Barkley yeah. off the injury, or do you hold him and let him go out there, dominate for a year, and then try to sell him? Uh, if you can get something decent for him last off season, so Dylan, one of our buddies, uh, he in a different dynasty league, he has Delvin, he has uh, Saquon Barkley, and he ended up trading Saquon Barkley uh in the middle of the year for a decent, pretty decent haul. Um, it's it's a weird spot because I I'm one where I think Barkley could come back and have a solid year if he's coming off. Uh, I'll go. I'll give this scenario quick. If he's playing really well, and you're kind of in the middle of the road fantasy team, where it's like you could compete for a title, but realistically you can't win a dynasty title, I'd sell him. I could sell him in the middle of the year if you think you can get some decent pieces for him. Um, otherwise, yeah, let let him play out the year, and if he has a great year, then I could, then then I would sell him at his highest value. And McCaffrey, I'm assuming you're not selling. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, absolutely not. No, Christian McCaffrey's. I I would I would rock with him until he just retired. Until he dies. Okay. And Shadi, what about you? <laughs> it depends on league format for me. If if you're in a uh, if you're in a super flex league and you're not a competitor, then okay, maybe don't don't waste you know the the great years of sure. Saquon Barkley just you know giving you 25 points surrounded by guys that are giving you six. Um, get as much value you can out of him. I mean, how long do you think a guy like Saquon Barkley is going to last in the league? Honestly, he's already what twenty three, he's twenty four. Twenty four. How long do you think he's going to last in the league? He could play. He's very similar to Adrian Peterson anyway, and Adrian Peterson's still kicking at like thirty five. I think he could be in. No, the league. nobody's Adrian Peterson. If there is someone and they're in the league today, it's Saquon Barkley, and there's no way to argue that he's very much like the closest. There's thing no to way him. to argue for it. He's not. I mean, Adrian. Nobody has come back from injuries the way Adrian Peterson has throughout his career. Been has well, sure, had as much thing. longevity as he's had. Just wait had. till next year. You'll see Saquon do it. Then, then coming at me. But, but it <laughs> we'll, goes back to we'll my see. previous question, though. Like, 
McCaffrey and Barkley, we don't see downward spikes for them in the near future, right? We're not trying to sell them at the peak no. right now. We probably think they have at least a few more years of sustained success. I think Cook's yeah. the first one in our rankings that we can look at and say, he might be at the peak right now. Like it, it may be the time to sell Dalvin Cook. Not saying you have to by any means, but would anyone be surprised if he starts a slow decline in his career from this point moving forward? Because I wouldn't be too shocked. I still think he's great. That's why I have him at number three. And I think he's got a few more years left in the tank. But if you told me that this is as good as good as it gets for Cook, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't argue that. I mean, he's turning 26 in the middle of the season. He's had – he's missed uh, 19 games in his career. Something – yeah, that sounds right. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I can't imagine – uh, he's going to get much better than he is this year, maybe only down from here. So I would trade him for sure if, if I'm in a spot where I can get a, a younger running back, mm-hmm. um, maybe like a guy that we're talking about here shortly or a guy that I have ranked much higher than you guys we will get to later on in the episode. But, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's definitely primed to be traded at a high value. Uh, I'll say one quick thing. Uh, because I traded for Dalvin Cook in a league. I traded my first-round pick and Julio Jones uh, for Dalvin Cook and something else, like a third-round pick in the rookie draft, I believe. Jesus. Um, because of the running back capital I had was pretty solid, but to me, I think you can get at least two more seasons of what Dalvin Cook did this year and one more season of it being better of those two. I'm talking 20 touchdowns. I'm talking... 20 touchdowns. Uh, he had 16 last year, 16 total last year. Well, who is he? Like Garrett rushing Blunt? last year. Sorry, he had 16 rushing last year and one receiving. So yeah, 17. 17 last total year. touchdowns. So 20 total touchdowns is not out of the question for him, I yeah. don't think. Um, 1500 yards again rushing. I can easily see that happening, but if not 15 to 1800, he did have a lot of really big rushing yard games though, um, and more receiving yards. I think you can see it at least two more times in his career where he eclipses some crazy good numbers so i would keep him because i'm a big Delvin cook fan though but selling him I, I agree with you guys if you want to sell him as high as value yeah i i can totally get down with selling him gotcha. all right let's move on <laughs> number four jonathan taylor he's my third ranked back kyle's fifth devin's fourth so this is our first one where we have at least <clears throat> every one of us are uh have him ranked a little bit differently so i haven't ranked the highest jonathan taylor i think if, if, if it is possible for him to be underrated, I mean, I think he is underrated. I think he can be the RB1 this year. I honestly think that's in his range of outcomes. His production profile from college, along with his size, his weight, and him being only 22 years old, he turned 22, 22 years old three months ago, I think you're looking at the best projection for the next five years of any back in Dynasty. And if you can try to project out five years for a running back. And it's a little ambitious, but at age 22 in a well-run organization with a good head coach that seems to prioritize offensive line as well as the gym tries to prioritize offensive line. And they've done it successfully since he's been there. Um, You know, if Carson Wentz pans out, this guy is looking at nothing but green grass ahead of him. Um, I think his talent, his situation, his age all mash up to make him, in my opinion, the third ranked back in dynasty. Now I'm sure you guys are going to disagree a little bit on the ranking, but I can't imagine you have much to say that's going to be negative for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, maybe Ooh, I, can, I can solve that. I, I'm, already, I'm I'm going to preemptively hit that because I know what you're going I'm to your say. Huckleberry. You're going to say Naheem Hines <laughs> is going to take passing game work from him. Eh. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he did it his 
when Jonathan Taylor was a rookie. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen much this year. Uh, but go ahead. What do you got? Oh, yeah, throw it to me. What, what, you, what kind of what kind of horse shit are you going to throw out? Coming in hot. All right. So Jonathan Taylor. Everyone, I think. It has a little bit of recency bias when it comes to Jonathan Taylor and the way he finished the season, Week 17 against Jacksonville, when he put up 253. That amazing game that you only see on the stat lines of people like Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, the 200-plus total yards, they're just not very common, right? But if you look at the entire season as a whole, and I understand that he's a rookie, and I understand all the things that happened last year, everyone does, okay? But look at the season as a whole, where he broke 100 yards rushing three times. That's not impressive. And when I tell you who it was against, the Minnesota Vikings, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Jacksonville Jaguars, it becomes even less impressive. And if I took off that 253, if if for some reason the Colts found themselves in a position to rest starters like half the league does in week 17, and he doesn't play that game, now he finishes the season with 916 total rushing yards. That's not impressive. I understand that this guy was a great prospect coming out because of his athleticism, and I still have him ranked as number five. I I don't want to pretend like I think he's just trash and we're all being fooled. I just want to say pump the brakes a little bit with the hype train. I don't think he's in that top tier yet of the Saquons and the McCaffreys. Okay, He might be, and he could very well go out and prove me wrong next year, but right now I'm just not ready to crown him yet. Uh, Well, he came out of RBU. Uh, which is University of Wisconsin for anyone who doesn't know. Who yeah, doesn't ask Melvin Gordon Wisconsin, about RBU. If well, if anyone in the NFL, anyone who doesn't think that Wisconsin is RBU for college running backs, then I don't know what college. Who who's the watch. one? Real quick, the one who came out uh, like 15 years ago. Uh, uh, Brian Calhoun. No, after that, after that, it was like uh, 05 through okay, 10. There. Oh gosh, he's gonna bug the hell out of me. I'll Google okay, it. I can no I can name a well, I can name a bunch right, of I'll I can name it. a bunch of Badger running backs. It's all right, I'll uh, Google it. Keep doing, I, make your point. Okay, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think we saw towards the end of the year once the reins were more given to him because you got to remember Marlon Mack was kind of like the dude for a little bit in the beginning of the season. I don't remember exactly how many games it was like. Yeah, Marlon Mack's a guy. Then Marlon Mack gets hurt. Uh, they never really gave Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, sorry, the full reins of the, the running back workload, and he finally started to get it towards the end of the year. I uh, I fully heard your grapes, Kyle, on his running games weren't against good running teams, but I think what to Brett's point is Jonathan Taylor it has all the things to be a great uh, NFL running back. He's got the tools. He's everything that. We see out of Wisconsin running backs, I'm just going to go back to Wisconsin running backs in general, that we see out of elite Wisconsin running backs who are Heisman contenders year in, year out with Melvin Gordon, with Brian Calhoun, uh, with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they're, they're, they're great. Um, I think he's, his, his, his build is good. He had 11 touchdowns last year. 8 to, eight to 12 touchdowns should be his yearly thing, you'd think. Um and his projected traje- trajectory, I can't talk at all right now. Holy chilly shit. It's good to be on a podcast. <laughs> his, can't talk. Uh, yeah, no kidding. His trajectory uh, is great for the next few years. Um, I'm thinking uh, next year, soft softball prediction here, because uh, it's not hardball. I don't know why I said softball. We're just going to go. Hey, with we'll make it. it a thing. Yeah, softball <laughs> prediction soft for Jonathan prediction. Taylor. Uh, would be 1,400 rushing yards. I'll uh, give him 12 touchdowns, 50 catches. 405 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, finishes as RB3 overall in redraft fantasy. All right. I like Jonathan Taylor. Do you want Let to know the guy you... who I was thinking of before Shoddy hops in? 
Yeah, I was I way off on the date, by the way. I said like 05 to 10. It was actually 2013. Monty Ball is who I was trying to think of. Oh, yeah, Monty Ball. What a stud. Another Heisman candidate. Monty Ball. Went to Denver, right? Yeah, yeah. he did. He had um, a lot of bad uh, bouts with alcoholism. I follow him on Twitter. He's a, like a really good dude now, but oh, yeah, couldn't get off the juice, was huh? really bad to him. Yeah, he had a DUI, went to rehab. He's really got his life together now. He lives back in Madison. His kids go to school in Wisconsin. I don't remember what high school. Um but they're, one of his kids is, like, super good. Nice. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, what I have to say about Jonathan Taylor is, I mean, you may be right where I'm looking at the, the last month of the season being like, you know, that's what it's going to be, you know. And you got to fight against that, obviously, as a fantasy manager. But, I mean, you look at what he did. He had averaged seven yards per carry more than, what, three times as a rookie. He had – three multi-touchdown games or four multi-touchdown games. He had over 100 yards three times, as you said, just rushing. He had over 100 yards total, um, I think, five times. He was the RB6 wait, wait, last year. Yards? You said he had over 100 yards? rushing yards three times. He three had times, over yeah, and I, I 100 gave you total opponents. yards. Thanks for listening. Oh, I was listening, but uh, <laughs> I tend to block you out because you're an idiot. But God, you're a great host. Well, I mean, I can't give you credit ever because you know how big your head is already. Can't get any bigger. God forbid that thing explodes. Uh, but if you can't get or you might have missed your window. I mean, when you could get him earlier in the oh, year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's still a chance that you can get him, I think you have to you have to make an attempt. You have to throw offers out there. You have to talk to that owner and see what he needs for his team and try to deliver because Jonathan Taylor could be, as, as Devin would say, the linchpin. The engine for your fantasy team for years to come. <laughs> Good softball uh, answer there. It's <laughs> great softball answer. Uh, no, you're right though. Yeah. I, I forgot about that buy window that there was for Jonathan Taylor in the middle of the season uh, after about week ten, where he came off <laughs> outstanding rushing performances of 12 yards, 27 yards, 22 yards, and a bye week. Like that was the time to buy. But I think that window's closed, like you said. Yeah, it's closed. I mean, he's he's barely 22 years old. Yep. You got to try to get him if you can. He's going to be the RB1 in Dynasty by this time next year. Guarantee it. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're crazy. Wrong. Moving on. All right. So, number five, five. Alvin Kamara. He's my fifth-ranked RB as well as Devin's fifth-ranked running back and Kyle's sixth-ranked running back. Kyle, you're us. You're slightly lower than us on him. Uh, the guy that we have ranked at number six is who you have ranked above him. So uh, what are your concerns with Kamara? I mean, obviously the Drew Brees thing, so mm-hmm. you don't need to really talk about that. But um, with his new quarterbacks, what, what are you kind of projecting for him this year? Yeah, I still have him number six, like you said. He's still going to be a solid RB1, I think. He's he's very consistent. He's never missed more than two games in a season in his four-year career, and that's great. You, you just talked about the quarterback thing. Uh, this is a running back who's never broke a thousand yards in his four years in the league. Everyone knows where he makes his money, and that's in the receiving game. So, if it's Taysom Hill, if it's Jason Winston, no matter who the quarterback is out there, I don't think they're going to be Doctor Checkdown like Drew Brees was for the last couple years of his career after his arm went. So, that's where the concern comes from. Is is he going to be a, another hundred target, eighty-one to eighty-three catch season? We'll see, but. I'm not betting on it so much anymore. I don't think that ceiling's there anymore of the McCaffreys and the Barclays, but I do think he comes with a high floor, so that's why I still have him as a mid-range RB1. Yeah, I think uh, he's still absolutely a fantastic running back. Uh, it's more of a Saints problem than a him problem, mm-hmm. um, team-wise. I don't, I don't think the Saints are even going to be that good of a football team. It's mainly because of the quarterback. But besides the point, Alvin Kamara, uh, yeah, uh, last year was the closest with 932 rushing yards. 
Uh, 16 rushing touchdowns is just absolutely disgusting. He's a touchdown machine. Well, Shoddy knows He's a little a, bit about those rushing touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk just about a, just, a, just a little bit. Um, maybe this year is the year we'll finally see him to get over 1,000 yards, but if they don't have a good passing game, then it's going to be hard for him to run the ball. But then that's where you'll see, well, oh, yeah, he'll have like 100 fucking 10 targets and then like 90 receivings, 90 receptions. So, yeah, he's, he's still going to probably put up the same numbers he's always puts up. It's just kind of a weird situation for him as a team. But, yeah, it's it's Alvin Kamara. You're, you know what you're getting out of him. Gosh, pour one out for anyone who had to play Kamara in the fantasy football finals. Mm, that's like you lost before you even got a chance. Yeah, because I was on what? It was a Thursday night game, right? Like you, we saw it earlier, I remember. So I can't imagine yeah. what it's like yep. going into Sunday when you're already down Dude, 50 I'll, from Kamara. <laughs> pretty funny. So I, you guys know I was in the, the championship against Easy when he started Alvin Kamara that night. And I went to a kid's birthday party, and in the background, they had a TV with the, with the game on, right? Right when I get there is when he scored his first touchdown. So I was like, oh, shit, that sucks. Right, so I'm just I'm at this kid's birthday party, and it seems like every time I turn around, it's like Alvin Kamara touchdown, Alvin Kamara touchdown. And it's just like the scene in a, in a, in a uh, movie where, like, the, the camera just zooms in on the guy's face, and there's all this, like, crazy noise going on around him, and his eyes are just pinned, and he has no idea what's going on. That is exactly what's happening. Kids were screaming left and right, running around me, <laughs> and I'm just there sweating, watching Alan Kamara very... take my heart out and and just take a chunk out of it right in front of my face. Dude, there was nothing I could do but watch him put up 59.7 points gosh. in our league against me. God, I picture it being like Tom Cruise and Edge of Tomorrow, where you just have to keep reincarnating and getting <laughs> just murdered just keep, over and just over keep reliving and over. It. Oh my god, dude! I've never seen somebody score six touchdowns ever. Hey, to your credit, you almost came back. But almost doesn't get you a ring. Uh, this is where I think we'll start to differ quite a bit. So the our sixth rank consensus is me and Devin's sixth rank running back, but it's Kyle's fourth rank running back, and that is Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. So Kyle, uh, you have him ranked the highest. Why do you have him at number four? I feel like there's more concerns about him than a lot of the guys you have ranked behind him. What, what are you? Uh, what are you so confident in with Nick Chubb? So. With Nick Chubb, you know the offense he's in. You know that it's going to be a run-first Stefanski offense in Cleveland. Baker, as long as he's there, which is probably at least the next couple of years, is never going to be a quarterback to throw 40 passes a game. You know that the sheer amount of volume is going to carry Chubb. And he's solid with it, dude. And saying solid is an understatement. He never averaged less than five yards a carry for a season. The only of his three seasons that he didn't get a thousand yards, he rushed for nine ninety six, and that's because he was only a part time player. I forget who he was coming in for back in twenty eighteen, uh, who finally gave up the starting reins. I'm sure one of you are going to help me out at some point, but eight touchdowns that year, eight touchdowns in twenty nineteen, twelve touchdowns last year. The volume alone, and the fact that he's so efficient with the football, I understand his upside is going to be a little bit limited because of the receiving. Um, Back in 2019, a couple years ago, he did have 36 catches. So if he can have anything close to that moving forward, another 30, 40 catch season and somewhere around 1,500 yards, maybe more than that over the course of the season, he's the model of consistency as a running back. Uh, Carlos Hyde is the running back you're thinking of. Thank you, yes. Uh, Kyle. Um, And Duke Johnson. Yeah, they had Duke Johnson in the roster. Yeah, they they got Uh, rid of Johnson and they went right to Hunt, so. Yeah, yeah. I'll just say a few things quick about Nicholas Chubb here that uh, Kyle, well, he pretty much said everything. Um, Kareem Hunt's a big factor, but I think it helps his game a lot. 
because you can do the two RB thing. You can have a drive that's all hunt and a drive that's all chub. Keeps chub fresh for the game and for the season long term. So I see his rushing yards kind of take a dip with just over a thousand, uh, but 12 touchdowns and his passing game work. Sure, it's not going to be as huge because of a Kareem Hunt, right. but um, yeah. the the offense that the Browns are in, I think it's a great offense, running back friendly. I'm all in on. Believeland as a team and as a franchise this year. So can the Browns be use to... Believeland? I thought the Cavaliers had that trademarked. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's same thing. It, but I just we already gave you softball today. All right, I'm, we're not going to let you move <laughs> Believeland. I over. just I I only used it because of the Cavaliers. That's the only reason I said it. Uh, yeah, Chubb's Chubb's 25, uh, pretty much the same prime age as every other running back. He should have another great year for you. He should have another great handful of years for you. There's no injury concerns, really. Got dinged up a little last year, missed a handful of games. Guy doesn't really ever fumble. Um, yeah, nothing negative to say. He's just a solid dynasty guy to, to choose. Yeah, I mean, you can't really complain about Nick Chubb. I mean, as long as he's getting roughly 15 to 18 touches, he's going to produce. He's one of the best uh, pure running backs in the NFL. I don't know who you could really put ahead of him in terms of just – being a good running back, having the vision, the explosion, and uh, the knowledge of where the defenders are going to be and how to beat them to the hole or beat them to the edge or whatever the uh, the play calls for. He's a great running back. I'm just concerned about his overall week-to-week ceiling when he's seeding as much work as he is to Kareem Hunt. I mean, you got to look at the other guys we have on uh, on this consensus list. You have McCaffrey, Belkow, Barkley, Belkow, Devin Cook, Belkow. I think John Antell is going to be a Belkow. Elvin Kamara can do it all in, mm, in both the rushing and the passing. Well, if you add in his passing, he's the only one that really catches passes out of the backfield of consequence in uh, in New Orleans. I don't know if that's going to change with his quarterback situation, but Zeke Elliott, Belkow, um, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, not so much, but that's kind of where our, our rankings tell off a little bit. So with Chubb being ranked at six – by me, it's me seeding that he's good enough to overcome that, but I don't know how you can count on him. Like, you can count on him to give you good production every week. I just don't know if he's going to be like a cornerstone, like a guy you can count on to to bring you back in a game to be like I'm down by 25. You know, Alvin Kamara totally has the op- the uh, chance to get you 25 points. Zeke Kelly has a chance. McCaffrey has a chance. Barkley, Cook, Taylor. I don't know if Chubb really has that ceiling on a week-to-week basis. If they're playing a bad team and he gets pulled, you know, halfway through the third quarter, you're just not going to get that. Kareem Hunt's going to get all that garbage time work. Well, yeah, I just don't see Nick Chubb's going to slide right before the goal line and let the clock run out too, and you don't get anything from that as a fantasy owner. <laughs> yeah, you got to hate that. You got to hate that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the only point I really have on Nick Chubb. He's a great running back, so I don't think any of us disagree, really. With these top six running backs, it's hard to really – nitpick if you have one of them chances are they're they're one of the best players on your team you're not you're not planning on moving them you're not contemplating uh how good they are really you're just like yep set it and forget it they're my starting rb1 yep and just like running or uh, quarterbacks that we did the other day we are the same in the top six just our order changes a little bit in the back end all right let's move on number seven, seven. zeke elliott me and devin both have him at eight devin and Kyle, you have Shut up, dude. Hey, uh, Devin, you know anybody who wants to help uh, host a fantasy podcast? I think we have an opening. God, yeah, you need I have more than help people. when it comes to hosting I... a fantasy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a way I can mute him from, like, remotely? 
Yeah, we can just <laughs> kick them out of the call and make our own private yeah, Discord. It'll just be our production, you bitch. Me and you can do the actual podcast. It'll you and I can do the bitch. actual podcast. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Get this guy out of here, dude. It's the FCA. Don't associate me with my job. <laughs> Nerd. Anyway, Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke Elliott. Devin? So what do you think about Zeke Elliott? It's kind of odd to see him down here at seven. I feel like, you know, since I've really been into Dynasty, he's always been like a top three guy. And now you look at him there at, at seven overall. Do you see this as a, kind of his last hurrah, his career's kind of going downhill, or do you think he's got another few years left in him? I think out of every running back we've done so far, Zeke Elliott is the scariest Dynasty running back to Ooh. draft. Um, and I'll give you a few reasons why, obviously. I... I don't know what was up with him. I don't know if it was offensive line being beat up. Yep, ding, ding, ding. If if it was off season stuff, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit it to offensive line being beat up. Because when you're missing the best guard in football for half a year, if, was he was was he, was Zach Martin hurt before I keep going on this? I don't I don't know if he was. I know they lost Travis Frederick. I believe he, he was, but yeah, overall Martin the offensive Martin. line was beat up in general. I mean, for sure. When your offense line is beat up and when you have one of the best O-linemen in football at three different positions, well, they lost Travis Frederick um, a few seasons ago, but when you have one of the best offense linemen at two positions and your line's just hurt and your quarterback's hurt, it's just going to be a weird year. I think McCarthy's still a good enough coach to put up offensive points and numbers, so Zeke should return to normal form next year, but to me, he's still a little scary because of what happened, he's a he's kind of prone to some fumbles. You they, you draft a running back that came in and had some good games towards the end of the year, and you're like, well, you know, maybe they'll split they'll split some time more. I don't really think there's gonna be some so much time splitting. I to, to me, Zeke's just a little scary. Um, I think you've got one, maybe two more solid ass seasons out of him, and then. That's kind of it. It's for a guy. To me, it seems like Ezekiel Elliott's also been in the NFL for fucking ten years. Uh, but came in at 2016, and it seems like he's been running in the NFL since 2006. It's still only 25 years old. He'll be, I know. He'll be I 26 think, by the time the season starts. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just me that I think that's why he's been in the NFL for so long. But he's just the scariest one to me. I still think he's got it for a year or two left. But um, I would, I would look if he has a great year this year. I think Loki, you could look to sell him and get some good for him yeah I remember back to 2016 his rookie year and he was one of the few rookies I generally in redraft would try to stay away from rookies because they just don't make that immediate impact everyone knows that but I remember talking it over at the time and I, I was one of them on the side that Zeke should be a first round pick even as a rookie just there's it happens every few years you get a running back like that that is worthy of that first round pick but just the situation he was walking into with the great o-line and the good offense that how could he fail and he didn't he, he took everything that was given to him and that's sort of just been his career just take everything that's given to you so the thing with zeke though i think right now is if you're an owner you can't sell right now because you're selling low you're coming off the season that he just had with the entire offense offensive line banged up obviously Dak being out most of the time sorry that Ben DiNucci can't carry an offense all right we all understand that things are going to happen and the running back's going to struggle the entire offense is going to struggle so I think if you are a Zeke owner like Shadi said he's going to be 26 going into this season I think next year granted that this offense bounces back is the perfect time to sell yeah so if you guys just think back to what you thought of his season in 2020 
Where would you guess he finished if if you don't know already? Ooh, I don't know off the top RB. of my head. Seems like probably a low end one, high end two. Give me a uh, number. RB thirteen. My guess is RB eighteen. He was RB nine. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, okay. he played fifteen games. That's <laughs> yeah, that's so, so yeah. much of what it comes down to is being able to yeah, play the he, whole season. And he's played consistently at least what fifteen games a year. I'm, I'm scrolling back the to the suspension season. year. Yeah, the yeah, season he was suspended for two yeah. games. That's the only yeah. time he's missed more than one game. Yeah, which is insane. And uh, you got to think that's gonna that's gonna change a little bit coming in his his year twenty six season and his just general workload being as hefty as it, as it has been since he's been in the league. But that being said, I think he is, he, I think there's a case for him to be the RB one in redraft this year, just because of what Ooh. is around him. You're not drafting him like that though, right? No, I, I, I mean, I don't think so, but I think there's a case to be made for it for sure. Um, you look at what he was doing when Dak was still healthy. I mean, in our league, 32 points, 24 points, 16 points, 24 points, 29 points, those are just great performances. And then as the season progressed and that team got depressing to watch, his mm-hmm. efficiency went down, his uh, snap share went down, his carries went down, and he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. I don't think it's uh, too bold to say that you can look at those first few weeks and be very confident about what he's going to be in 2021. But obviously we're talking about dynasty, and that's why he's at seven. He's 26 years old, and we know running backs don't last that long. The only thing you can hang your hat on is he is being paid. I, I don't know the details of his contract, but I know it's hard for them to get out of that contract here in the, the immediate future. So he may still have the volume for the next two years, but as the accumulation of rushes and uh, hits that he takes, you know he's going to have more injuries. It's just human nature of the uh, running back position. It's going to happen. Get out after the season if you can, but I wouldn't blame you for trying to hold on as long as you could because he's been so productive. So the potential out in the Zeke contract is actually after 2022, before 2023. So yeah, I think you're guaranteeing probably another two years in Dallas. And if you can sell after next year, I think that's the time to do it. What what what, do you, what kind of package do you think you could get for a 27-year-old Zeke Elliott? Coming off, let's say he finishes as a mid-RB1, say he finishes RB5, going into his 20, age 27 season. What kind of package do you think you can get for him in Dynasty? I mean – you the dynasty flip community is getting contender. smarter about running backs. So mm-hmm. what but do you think? Th- they're going to Google his age or they're going to look at whatever website and they're going to see 26 because he doesn't turn 27 until, what, late next summer, next fall or something like that, just before the season. So you're going to make this move and he's going to be 26 years old in that paper and you're going to make that as your argument. You're going to say, oh, he can go another four years easily and look at how consistent he's been. As far as what kind of return I'm going to get, I'm only selling him most likely if I'm not in contention because I think he do. I think he can help a contender right away for the next couple of years. I think he can be filling one of your running back spots on a contender. If I'm not a contender and I'm moving away from him, I could. I think I could get a first plus for him from a contender. So you're talking a, about a late first rounder and then some, maybe a, a bench player for some death, a prospect with some upside, or maybe another pick. But I, I think that's where you start is a first plus if you're trying to move him. You think the same thing, Devin? Yeah, I was just thinking in our league, uh, you have Zeke, right, Brett? Yeah. Um, if I was making the deal with you, and we know you as terrible to trade with, um, naturally, <laughs> but let's say you're a normal person and you lose. do normal trade offers. Lose. Yeah, but you also don't do <laughs> trades like a normal person. Um, 
It's like trading with an evil robot or something. I don't know. An Anyways, evil robot? Um, is that the best thing you could come up with? That's terrible. I, it was gonna be. It, it was gonna be something really weird. An and evil I was like, trade robot. It. Yeah. Beep boop 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 bop. Beep boop boop bop. Boop boop beep bop. Not beep boop boop beep. Bop. Beep. Boop boop bop. You don't read on the man. evil trade robot. We're, we're gonna. We're, <laughs> Devin's got some weird things going on in his head today. So yeah, we're gonna roll with pal. the weirdness. Um, if I have, if I was a guy who is in contention but literally has no running backs on his roster besides Delvin Cook, I will. I'm definitely trading a first, and I'm definitely trading a third, uh, and it, and some uh, upside youngish receiver player type. Um, my team is deep with receivers, so. I don't know what I even say. Are we negotiating a trade guy, between you two on air? Absolutely not. Live? I, no, we did. No, we no. we did our we did our we trade. We already traded. Yeah, we're good. And satisfied that requirement for the year. Yeah. Got our one trade in. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, same same pretty much same thing. Kyle said. A little nugget about trading these guys with great reputations and like the hit the historical production that people like to see in fantasy get toss-ins with these trades like get a, yeah. a young player that that's like a sleeper mm-hmm. get somebody that can potentially make this trade that looked even at the time become totally one-sided you know some guy with incredible upside that isn't really talked about something like that if you can get one of those toss-in guys always do it win now and later yeah 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 100 if you see a guy in someone's roster that you're like i kind of like this guy do a little research on him and then be like okay cool i want to make sure i get this guy in this package yeah Always look for that those small edges. All right, moving on to number eight, Derek Henry. Uh, I know Kyle had him recently in our league. Just traded him away. He's number nine for me, number eight for Kyle, number seven for Devin. I've always been kind of low on Derek Henry. I just I've never been <laughs> able, and this is my own fault. I've never been able to like suck it up and just admit to myself he's not going to catch passes, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He's been so productive on the ground, but I mean, I think JJ Zacharyson put it out last year. You know, when he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not an RB one. Like, I don't think he's been an RB one at all throughout his career without scoring a touchdown. I think, and that yeah, that always scares me. Yeah, go ahead. But so I, I remember that narrative being pushed back around 2018 was the last year I think he had the closest to average touchdown finish, but. When you look at his, obviously he started back in 2016 with Tennessee and he had DeMarco Murray to share the backfield with. So everyone knew he was going to be splitting and it was just a, when is he going to take over this backfield? Oh yeah, way back in the day. But look look at his game stats, look at his game log season by season and you'll see the improve, like literally improvement every single season in every single category. It's ridiculous. And last year is probably the pinnacle when obviously he puts up a 2000 yard rushing season. The only question you have to ask yourself as a fantasy manager is when is the right time to sell? And as you alluded to whenever you brought me in, I, I decided the time to make that sell was right now. And don't get me wrong. I fully expect – so in the deal I made, I told the person I traded with, MBW, that, yeah, I fully expect to lose this trade this year. I made it for the long term because eventually Derrick Henry is going to hit a wall. And, yes, the man is a freaking alien. It's ridiculous. But eventually it's going to come to an end. All right, eventually the bill is going to arrive at the table. And he's such a unicorn, it's hard to say when that time is. Because you're talking about a guy who's never missed more than one game. He's got a minimum 15 games played every single season under his belt. Always putting, his yards per carry is increasing, his yards are increasing, his touchdowns increasing, he's getting better and better. It's 
he's like a cryptocurrency right now. At what point are you going to sell and get <laughs> off the ride? Because because right now he's Doge from a couple months ago. Like he, he is his value is through the roof. But he's by far on everyone we've talked about so far the oldest running back. And granted, yes, he's only 27. Doesn't seem like that old. And he spent his first couple years in the league splitting carries. But that man's body takes some punishment. And when it finally breaks down, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, that's the only concern I have for him, too, would be the tread on his tires. Dude's 6'3", 250, and a guy that runs, like, a semi-truck on fire from, like, Twisted Metal. There's a reference. There you go. Hell yeah. Hey, we're running back, man. That was a good one. From Twisted Metal. (laughs) Runs people over, blows people up. Like Axel, the the jack dude that uses arms as axles to hold those giant wheels. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Yeah. He ran for longest longest run last year was 94. Year before that was 74. Then he ran for a 99 yard touchdown. Like this dude's disgusting. Oh, he's so uh, entertaining on those long runs because each one of them uh, comes with two or three broken tackles that puts someone on a poster and just like makes them a laughing yeah. stock in their family. Like they have to go sit at the kids' table at Thanksgiving the following year. <laughs> he has a he has he'll have like a he'll make a guy miss in the hole with a nice cut, make another guy miss a second level. Then literally just stiff on a guy, and that guy that guy's career is over. And we only 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 know him from now on as the guy who died from Derrick Henry. Guy Derrick Henry killed. He put Earl Thomas <laughs> into retirement. <laughs> he literally yeah. he just it was all downhill. Um, yeah, the biggest concern is Derrick Henry's tread on his tires. That's and his age is twenty seven. Um, he's I think Kyle Salt sold him at. Probably the best time you're ever going to get to 17 touchdowns. This man had 378 rushing attempts, and obviously we, we know he ran over 2,000 yards. Can he do it again? Yeah, probably. Um, will he get 350 carries? Yeah, probably, because this team's trying to win a Super Bowl and they're a contender. Um, it's just uh, if you want to hang on to him one more year for a championship run, do it. Or yeah, if you're a contender, yeah. I'm not saying to sell for sure. Yeah, uh, if you have the if you have the depth and you can sell him, right? You know, poke around, sure. But agreed. I think, I, th- I think that's just the tread. The only thing I'd be worried about. So, I feel like he has the body type and the run style that can actually lead to longevity. You know, he's he does take a lot of punishment, but he's a massive back. He's six mm-hmm. three, two fifty. You know, if anybody can maintain that style of running, it's him. Um, I think that's already kind of been talked about. You guys, you know. He's eventually going to hit that wall. But I think where we have him ranked is appropriate because with Dynasty, you want to win this year. So you don't want to put these older productive backs too deep into your rankings, knowing that he still could be a top five back this year. And none of us would be surprised. So, And I don't think there's a bigger disparity between Dynasty rankings and redraft rankings for any of the running backs we've talked about more than Henry. Because we have him as an RB8 for Dynasty, but... He's probably somewhere in the top three for all of us when it comes to redraft. Yeah, yeah 100%. All right, moving on to number nine. number nine. Aaron Jones. He's my 10th-ranked back. He's Kyle and Devin's ninth-ranked back. Aaron Jones just got that one-year contract from Green Bay, so you know you still have him in that offense this year uh, with what I'm assuming to be a Aaron Rodgers-led offense. I think he has the skill set and the volume to continue to be an RB1 and uh, give you really boom weeks. I don't know if you can count on him after this year, considering he's only on a one-year deal and the Packers. Four-year deal. It may be a one-year deal after the 
potential outs and everything like that. It's really structured more as a two-year deal than a four-year deal. Yeah, so speak to that contract a little bit. Do you think that they were just trying to appease him? Do you think they really wanted to keep him around? Do you think they did that in order to have an out after this year or next year? Are they going to rely on A.J. Dillon more this year? You would know more about the Packers than I, so I'm curious to see what your opinion is on that. Gosh, it's so hard to speculate on that when you are just unsure of what the quarterback situation is going to be week to week or year to year, but as far as Aaron Jones goes, the Shanahan offense is often branded as the best in football for running backs. But who did Matt LaFleur come up under? He modeled his offense after the Shanahans. So I don't think we should discount that as any running back under Matt LaFleur is probably going to have the same type of success. Uh, the potential out, like I said, is after 2022, but it'll be 20 through 2024 if they decide to pick him up. I highly doubt that's going to happen, um, especially if Rodgers is gone and you don't feel like the team is a contender anymore. I think you probably cut bait. His base salary goes from one million this year, 1100 or 1.1 million next year, to eight million and 11 million the following two years. So I think there's a good chance that this is a four-year deal or a two-year deal disguised as a four-year deal and he may be playing for a new team after 2022. But for the next two years, if Rodgers is back and the Packers continue to have the success they've had under Matt LaFleur, there's no reason Aaron Jones isn't going to see the same success. Yeah, they pretty much hit the nail on the head there with uh, the Aaron Jones sentiment. I think he's an uber-talented player who doesn't get the, doesn't, doesn't get to run the ball as much as he should. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is there... The guy, the guy's pretty masterful most of the time. Uh, Aaron Jones does some good things. His touchdowns, obviously, were 16 two years ago, nine last year. Um, but he's he, he's the kind of he's kind of like an Alvin Kamara with production at times. Like you'll have a game with Aaron Jones with rushing where he just production. Has like a, yeah, yeah. He he just has a game where it's like 22 carries, 184 yards, and five touchdowns. You're like, holy cannoli. Aaron Jones, you should get the ball more. Free Aaron Jones, as Matthew Berry always likes to tweet. And then he'll have like... Yeah, that was under the McCarthy tutelage, all right? We don't yeah, expand that on the Matt LaFleur. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, since then, though, um, Aaron Jones has been solid. Um, we're ho- let's hope for some more production from him on the ground, as in like, he just gets the ball some more. Uh, AJ, L- AJ Dillon does kind of... Not scare me. Doesn't even scare me away from Aaron Jones. Just they're very different Aaron, backs. They have their defined roles. Yeah, yeah. It's like short yardage. Aaron Jones, eh, not so much. AJ Dillon though. Come on in, right. big boy. And, and, and Dillon's not the pass catcher. Dillon's not the pass catcher that Jamal. <laughs> he's not the pass catcher that Jamal Williams was. Because although Jamal Williams was very different than Aaron Jones, they both were very good in the passing game. But that is yeah. definitely not Dillon's. Uh, area of expertise so I think you're going to see a lot more in the receiving games from Aaron Jones moving forward yeah I agree looking at his prospect profile on playerprofile.com it's crazy that he got drafted as late as he did I mean right sixth round his pick. numbers are insane I mean maybe he was a little bit slower than you hoped with like a four five six forty but come on like well, it's, it's because he went to University of Texas El Paso and not the University of Texas yeah mm-hmm. Small yeah, and then I think uh, the small school backs are uh, are undervalued more than they should be. I mean, small school wide receivers, small school linemen, small school cornerbacks, I get sure. it. But running backs, I think it's a little bit uh, overstated. But anyway, I think that's enough on Aaron Jones. It's a, it's a good time to have him this year. It's a little bit scary to, to, to think that Aaron Rodgers might not be there. But like I said, I think he's still going to be there, and I think you're going to get a great year out of him. 
All right, moving on. Number 10, Cam Akers. I have him the highest at number 7. Kyle has him at 12, and Devin has him at 11. Bars. Devin, what do you got yeah, for he, me on Devin Cam with Akers? 7 and Devin with 11. My man is spitting he, behind the he mic. He did, today. dude. He did. He must have been. He's on his little Tunchi game today, I see. Hit him with the Devin. <laughs> Devin in 7. Devin E 11. <laughs> oh, that was You know I'm throwing good. the drop in there. <laughs> All right. Let's, can you please just stop this roller coaster and uh, talk about uh, Cam Akers, please? Yeah, of course. So, Cam Akers is in a offense that utilizes their running backs super well. A la Todd Gurley was an uh, absolute. He's a, he was a great running back, but an absolute menace in this system. And it's only going to get better with a quarterback who can, you know, be a quarterback and not be Jared Goff. Cam Akers uh, has all the potential. Finally, once he got the ball, too, last year. God, I drafted him in, in redraft uh, later, hoping eventually he'd pop off. Just the J.K. Dobbins syndrome. Hoping eventually this guy's going to get the ball. It was like week 12. And you finally saw him started to get more work. And then by the time he got as much work as he was, I was eliminated from the, eliminated from the playoffs in redraft because my running backs were two rookies who never got to touch the ball until the end of the year. But when he did finally get to touch the ball, the offense was finally given to him. You saw what Cam Akers could do. And I think with a team that's going to be competing for the Super Bowl for the next two to three years because of who they have on offense and defense, and in a system like Sean McVay's, it's it's perfect. Cam Akers has a very, very bright future, and he could be easily taken in Dynasty after next year at 21 years old after last year's rookie year. Uh, you're talking about probably a potential top five dynasty guy next season, and then the next season, if he expands off that, probably a top two, top three dynasty guy. I think the potential is there for him to be that good of a, a good of a back, especially because of his system. I don't know how talented he is, but I think system wise, uh, it's it's the biggest potential out of any of these running backs really on this on this show sheet we've had. Yeah, so I'm the low guy, I think. Am I right on Acres? Yeah, you're 12. Yeah, the lowest by 12. I'm 11. Okay, and I'm kind of surprised that you were as low as you were, Devin, because the fantasy and the dynasty community seem to lean a lot more with where Shotty's at, which is somewhere around the RB7 range, the mid-range RB1. So my hesitance with Acres is 100%, or is very similar, I should say, to the Jonathan Taylor hesitance that I have, is where that he got a lot of his production in a very small sample size, and everyone's just expecting to extrapolate that over an entire season. But if you take Cam Akers and his production and you put it side-by-side side with Daryl Henderson's production last year, it's, I can't even say it's an argument. Like, Daryl Henderson just straight up outproduced him. Like, that's not their, – their total touches were very close. 138 rushing attempts for Henderson, 145 for Akers. 624 on the ground for Henderson, 625 for Akers. And the yards per attempt, very close, long, very close, touchdowns, very close. But Henderson has him edged out in almost every single category. And it just seems to be a foregone conclusion that Akers is, no, he's going to be the new Todd Gurley. He's going to get, he's going to handle all three downs. He's going to handle everything in the passer game. Daryl Henderson's never going to see the field. I don't know if that's going to be the case. We, we saw it for periods late in the season. And the upside is where he's being drafted at right now. I think he's already being drafted at a ceiling in Dynasty where he's being taken as a mid-range RB1 when I don't think we should be so quick to dismiss Daryl Henderson's role in the offense. Yeah, I mean, when I look at Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers and the, these second-year backs, J.K. Dobbins, 
I'm usually higher on them because I want to try to get in. I want to try to get right. stock in these guys early. So when you look see my rankings, you're like, why is he so far ahead of these guys with, with the younger backs? And it's because I want to get in at the ground floor before they become household names in Dynasty. Um, and, dude, it sucked. I wanted to get him in our rookie draft, and Hauser got him like right before me. I was pissed. But yeah. um, I have him at seven because I, I don't think Dow Henderson is going to be that big of a threat to him. I mean, Kyle, you have him at number 12. If you had to guess where you'd have Dow Henderson ranked, where would you have well, Henderson's probably uh, somewhere in the mid late twenties, maybe early thirties, and and that's my assuming that Cam Akers is is the primary back. I just think he's being drafted as if he's going to be a three down back, and Daryl Henderson's going to get fifty touches this season. I don't think that's the case. I think you're going to see a lot of both of them. People are having delusions of grandeur, thinking that Todd Gurley reincarnated is going to be Cam Akers, where no one else is seeing the football. I think they got multiple running backs that they're going to use in LA, and I think they're all going to see a lot of touches. Yeah, and that's where I come. That's where I said the his talent thing. Like I don't know how good Cam Akers really is. I just think they're going to give him more of the reins immediately. But the Daryl Henderson splits are super interesting. I forgot how close they were in, in every category when you brought that up, though. I don't think Daryl Henderson is a is a nobody. I don't think he's going to be, uh, you know, blacked out and just not getting carries, but. I think Cam Akers' talent is good enough to take over that role at a 70%. Um, or not 70%, it's kind of high. More like 60%. But I think that's enough with his talent in that situation to be an RB1 this year. And I think going forward, as long as they use the little draft capital they have or sign offensive linemen, um, they maintain that situation around him and Matt Stafford doesn't die because he's getting old and gets injured a lot. That his situation – that old. And, and he, he doesn't get hurt that often. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he, he's younger than Russell Wilson. First I mean, of all. he's had a history of injuries. That's all I'm going to say. I don't, I don't yeah, know, I don't like, know it in depth enough to argue with you about it. I just know he's the one hundred percent injury rate. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, sorry, sorry. I'm going to go <laughs> well, off on a tangent. Take you off the rails real quick. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to get in with with Cam Maker sooner rather than later because I'm projecting that he's going to be a top six dynasty back in a few in a year or two. So I don't want to be that guy who's left uh, looking back saying, I wish I would have got him before the hype really really uh, came around on. All right. So moving on, number 11 Devin. is Austin Eckler. He's my number 11 back, Kyle's 10th, and Devin's 16th. So, Devin, you're a little bit a little bit uh, behind on us in the rankings here. Why do you have him at 16 outside of an RB1 spot? I think I have him lower because he doesn't really shown me anything. Uh, running running game wise, he's a PPR fantasy player's like wet dream, as the production he's put up in uh, his the past game. But I know he really also hasn't had the opportunity to be like, yeah, I can be the guy who runs the ball 15 to 18 times, and I can also catch the ball 10 times a game. He hasn't had that opportunity, mm-hmm. and last year might have been maybe that first chance to do it. But he actually, unfortunately, got hurt, and that's the only time he's really ever been beat up his whole career. He missed two games in 2018, but um, I'm that's the only reason I'm lower on him is he doesn't score rushing touchdowns. He had one last year, three the year before, three the year before. He makes a lot of his bread and butter in the passing game. That's where he brings home the bacon, and I don't think— All the food references where he makes his bread I know, and butter, I, bringing <laughs> home the bacon. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah. Um, 
He goes ham, <laughs> right, guys? Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what the kids say. 2012, oh, yeah. 2011, Kanye, Jay-Z, good mm-hmm. one, dude. Um, <laughs> I just don't, uh, I don't know, I don't think he warrants that high of a dynasty pick for a guy who might only be a one-trick pony and is a pass-catching back mm-hmm. who will be spelled at random times in the running running game. I think he's really talented, and I think he's a good player. I just don't think he warrants a super high dynasty draft pick. I think everything you just said is valid, and it's starting to make me question my number 10 ranking that I have on him. I didn't realize, Ooh. like, until I go back and I look at his career numbers, obviously he's splitting with Melvin Gordon his whole career until this year. But I thought he yeah. was, his rushing yep. totals were more than what they actually were, where he's never broken 600 yards rushing. That's that is a little bit of a cause for concern, absolutely. And then obviously, like you said, last year was his first chance. He gets injured right away. So 2021 is going to be very telling. I think he of all the guys we've talked about. There's more room for movement in his ranking than just about any other guy we've talked about, other than maybe the couple of second-year guys if they just fall straight on their face. But right. Eckler, I could see being somewhere as high as a mid-range RB1 after this year, and I could also see him not being ranked in our top 24 if he just falls on his face again. So I think he's it's going to be a very telling year for Austin Eckler and the entire Chargers offense, really. Mm, I agree. Yeah. I'm kind of on the same page with, with Kyle at Devin. You're kind of scaring me off at Austin Eckler a little bit. I mean, <laughs> uh, I like him as a player. I think what he does well, he does really well. He's a really good pass catching back. I don't know if they trust him to be a uh, an actual bona fide running back. I mean, they keep bringing in mid-round pick running backs, and I don't think that's a coincidence or that's just the best player on their board. Um, they keep bringing in these mid-round backs, or Josh Kelly, Larry Roundtree, um, I think they're looking for somebody to take that over from him so he can be their third down out of the backfield guy and uh, try to utilize him strictly in that way to maybe avoid overuse and injury on him or mm-hmm. or, or what have you, which is kind of scary. I think 11 is a little too high for me now. I'm going to move him down. But oh gosh, um, his skill level is there. It's about the usage. You got a new offense, uh, offense coordinator coming in. That's a little bit scary. Uh, second year with Justin Herbert, he might regress a little bit. Uh, maybe he reverts to uh, more checkdowns. I don't know. You know, it's kind of there's a lot of different ways that it can go with him, and uh, it's kind of hard for me to envision him being uh, worth the investment of drafting him at 11 over uh, some of the guys I have on later on. But um, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. Let's move on to Joe Mixon. Twelve, twelve, twelve. He's our 12th ranked back. My 14th ranked back, Kyle's 11th, and Devin's 12th. So, Kyle, you're slightly higher than all of us on on Mixon, and you have been, I think, for you know four or five years. Yeah, yeah, since he came in the league. I've been drinking the Kool Aid with as so long as it. half of my Twitter feed. It's there's the Joe Mixon believers out there, and we're still holding out hope. But one thing I want everyone to remember is obviously injuries happened last season, but prior to that, he hasn't really fallen on his face. He hasn't busted but he's disappointed for what his expectations were just about every year in the league. And the main part of that is because he's been splitting his whole career in Gio Bernard. Nothing pissed me off more last season than going on red zone, watching the Bengals march downfield and put in Giovanni goddamn Bernard on goal line. If you want to take 
Joe Mixon off the field on third downs, even though he's a capable pass catcher, okay, at least you have a guy behind him who's also a capable cast pass catcher. But in what world is Giovanni Bernard a better goal line back than Joe Mixon? That is ridiculous. And Zach Taylor, coming into this season, his seat is warming up. If the Bengals don't find some success this year, if they find themselves with another four-win, five-win season, he may be shown the door sooner than later. But whew, I'll digress with my rage about the Bengals. Joe Mixon now has a running back backfield who should be mostly to himself. All right, you got some Ajay P. Ryan. They brought in uh, who, Chris Evans, I think, late in the draft, who is not Captain America. He's just a bad running back who's not going to take touches away from Joe Mixon. But if he gets the goal line work, if he gets more of the third down work, all these things that Gio Bernard's been taking out of his pocket for the last two or three years, now the ceiling's there. Now the reason that everyone's been high on him for all the talent since he came out of Oklahoma finally has a chance to come true. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Joe Mixon guy too, but not as nearly as much as you. Uh, I have him in a different league. So that's why I'm big on Joe Mixon. still pretty talented. Joe Mixon getting it done. Uh, the touchdown production is scary, like you just alluded to. The guy's just not in on the goal line because they never want to put him in like he's not 220 pounds, like he isn't elusive, like he's not quick, like he can't run a guy over and make a guy miss in the hole, either or, like, it's there, man. The talent's there. It's just, you know, Joe Mixon doesn't have an O-line. Uh, Joe Mixon got beat up. It's it's like weird little things and nuances in his career. I know we had, he had his issue entering the NFL from the college incident, why, why he fell the second round. I just think Joe Mixon's talent's there. Still young, 24. This is a guy who could jump. And your dynasty uh, rankings to a top seven spot because he's going to hit that tender sweet spot age of 25 when it seems like most NFL running backs just pop off between 24 and 27. That's like their elite years. Um, I think now maybe with a better with a good quarterback, good offense, they just don't have an old line. Um, maybe hopefully Mixon gets the work that he deserves all all over the field. Let this guy be your bell cow. Let this guy be. You know everything he he can be. Just please let him do it. Uh, and if his production goes up, his numbers are going to go up, obviously, because it's there. He's got the talent to do it. Yeah, what you're worried about with Joe Mixon is the allegiance that the coaching staff has to him. It doesn't seem like they trust him. And uh, I mean, from the outside looking in, that seems like that seems dumb. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like you guys mentioned, he's what 220 pounds. Um, he has the athletic profile to succeed in the NFL, especially at that weight. I just don't know if they're ever going to commit to him. And I think what you got in 2019 before uh, the injury in 2020 is more like what you can expect from him. Um, but they just keep ignoring the offensive line. I mean, what kind of ceiling does a guy have with a, with a poor offensive line? I mean, look at Saquon Barkley, who everybody thinks is the most talented running back in the NFL, myself included. Uh, if without an offensive line, you're just you're just another running back. I mean, maybe you can hit some home runs here and there, but um, your consistency is going to go down. Your uh, your touchdown opportunities are going to be down. Um, they opted to draft. I'm going to mention this in every single episode. I swear they opted to draft a wide receiver over uh, a quote unquote generational offensive lineman um, early in the first round this year. It's just that I just don't see that franchise making smart decisions for their future or for Joe Mixon's future. They knew Penny Sewell had COVID. That had to be it. They didn't <laughs> want to bring that to Cincinnati. Well, that'll do it, boys, for our part one of our running back rankings, our top 12 guys. 
Just a little recap. We had McCaffrey, one. Barkley, two. Cook, three. Taylor, four. Kamara, five. Nick Chubb, six. Ezekiel Elliott, seven. Derrick Henry, eight. Aaron Jones, nine. Cam Akers, ten. Austin Eckler, 11. He's not going to be there for much longer. And Joe Mixon, 12. <laughs> so, that being said, let's move on to our final section here, guys. We're going to do some redraft sleepers at the running back position. So, Kyle, i have you start us off with your first sleeper. Sure, and I'll, uh, I'll try to make this quick. My uh, first sleeper that I'm going to talk about is going to be Damian Harris. And if I can snag him and redraft as a flex play or maybe even that second flex play RB3, RB4 range, then I'm pretty ecstatic. But uh, right now, he's going pretty late in drafts, going as RB31. So he's not even going as a starter. I think you're going to get better value than that. The Patriots already told you what they thought about Sony Michelle when they wouldn't even pick up his fifth-year option. And if you're going to take a running back in the first round, that's supposed to be the argument behind him is you can keep him for that fifth year and cut bait. And they already decided Michelle's not worth their time to keep on for a fifth year. So as far as Damian Harris's role goes, I think he's going to be the lead back in a run-first offense. And uh, let me let me ask you right now, who had more 100-yard games, Jonathan Taylor or Damian Harris last year? Damian Harris. Damian Harris. That's it was, it was a trick question. question. It was a tie. They both had three. Okay. But Damian Harris, Damian Harris has been successful. Okay, he, he did split a little bit with Michelle, but I think you're going to see this year two take off where he becomes the lead back in that committee and starts dominating the backfield. Yeah. No, uh, I hate Damian Harris. And don't, <laughs> okay. don't think he's any good. Uh, don't think he's then. any good. Um, but uh, where he goes in drafts, um, I think that's a good spot for you to take him because he's a guy who can take over the backfield role and end up being a pretty good back for you for when you do draft him. So even though I don't like the player, I do like the value and the idea of getting him where you get him. Yeah, I don't know if the pass catching upside is there for Damian Harris, but I like him as a talent. And uh, the only other guy they brought in was from Andre Stevenson, and it looks like they're saying goodbye to Sonny Michelle. So I think he has the opportunity and the talent to be the uh, RB1 in New England, and I think that's good value at pick 31. So with my first sleeper, it's Lynn Bowden, real deep sleeper here, RB72. So if you guys forget, Lynn Bowden was drafted by the Raiders and then immediately traded to the Dolphins. Uh, I think they drafted Lynn Bowden in the third and then traded him for a fifth, which is just ridiculous. Gosh, that kinda, Mike Mayock is a fucking genius. Yeah, that, that kind of just – out here uh, playing 4D chess. <laughs> it kind of encapsulates the, the Raiders' personnel department. But either way, he's on uh, – Miami, and as we've talked about with Miles Gaskin, we're not 100% confident in what he brings to the table for that offense. And I think Lynn Bowden could find his opportunity there in the backfield. And in that offense, I think that's worth a lot. I think he has the talent to do it. He hasn't been playing a, a skill position for very long. He was a quarterback before he became a running back. So I think he has to learn the position a little bit more, and I think it's a great coaching staff to be to work under. And they, they went out and traded for him after the draft. So it, it it seems like they wanted to bring him in for a reason. They had a purpose in bringing him in. Didn't see a lot of production last year. Uh, I know he finished the season fairly well. Let me pull up his uh, his production there. At, yeah, at the end of the season, he, he scored over 10 points twice in, in the last month of the year, which isn't saying much. But at least he got some work in that offense in a team that was competing for a playoff spot. So I think they like him. I'm not sure if they're comfortable with the running backs on their depth chart now. And as a guy, you don't even have to draft. You just have to monitor and be ready to, to spend some waiver priority and uh, fab budget on him. I think he's a good guy to, to keep an eye on, Lynn Bowden. 
Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of taking him later, picking up on waivers if he falls that far. It's an ambiguous backfield, and that's the thing you want to target whenever you're talking about backfields to target is ones where the situations really aren't set in stone. And I think this is what show number three, and I've called Miles Gaskin a sell in at least two, maybe all three shows. And if it happens, if Miles Gaskin gives up the role, and I've already claimed that I think he's just a guy out there, Lim Bowden may be the one to step up. I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, that, that, that's a really sneaky sleeper. That's a good, it's good, good reporting, sir. Good reporting. Oh yeah, deep dive. <laughs> Devin, bully, bully. you're up with your sleeper. Who you got? Uh this one's kind of a weird one. Uh, a guy I drafted in redraft the same year I draft. I mean, sorry, in dynasty the same year I drafted Delvin Cook, a guy who I loved in college, liked him for the one year in the NFL, and hated his guts. Leonard Fournette. Um. He's going right around RB35 in redrafts. It's kind of a weird spot to say he's a sleeper because we've seen in flashes him look really good but then look really bad. I have a good friend who's a Jags fan, and he always alluded to the fact that... No, Hainer? No. Yeah, Nick Hainer. Yeah, I've been that kid forever. Uh, no, a guy here that I, I grew up with uh, always alluded to the fact that uh, Leonard Fournette's runs were like three yards, two yards, two yards, three yards, four yards. Oh, look, at 62-yard touchdown. Kind of like Adrian Peterson syndrome, but not at the same level. Without the explosion. Uh, what was, yeah. What Leonard Fournette was doing doing in college was disgusting, but we haven't really seen it much in high school. I mean, high school? Wow. In the <laughs> NFL. Yeah, we got to check tape. <laughs> <laughs> we got to check high school. Um, the reason I'm going to put him as sleeper, though, is because the way he ended the season. He mo- dubbed the name Playoff Lenny, which I don't like. Lombardi kind of Lenny. Cool and it, it, yeah, Lombardi Lenny. That, that, it kind of fits his mantra and the style of player he is. I think he'll get overall more work because uh, Rashad Vaughn's garbage, and Ro- Rojo's is kind of a fill guy. Rashad Vaughn? Keyshawn Vaughn? Uh, is it Keyshawn Vaughn? Yeah. yeah it it's is, definitely not it Rashad. Yeah. Yeah, Got I drafted him in the first or, round, so he sucks. Yeah. That's just the... Yeah. I, I just... Oh, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, I just think Leonard Fournette's finally got the potential to be a, a top 20, top 15 running back for where he's kind of going. I, I, that's it. Build off his momentum from last year. I, I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's, like I said, another ambiguous backfield. You don't know who's going to be dominating the touches. It was Lenny down the stretch in the postseason in January and February last year, so... Who's to say that doesn't carry on into 2021? Yeah, you, you, you draft running backs on good offenses with good offensive lines. Never a bad idea. Um, get him at 35. Uh, RB 35, not bad. Kyle, what do you got for your second sleeper? Yes, my second sleeper is sort of the floor play that I love as a guy to put on my bench who can fill in on any given week, and that's Tariq Cohen. Just because he brings you that upside – with his uh, pass-catching ability, which also obviously provides the high floor. He's one of these guys that's just coming off an injured season, so you're going to get him at an injury discount. Right now he's going as the RB46, and that's just not where he's going to finish if he plays the whole season. The His ability to catch the ball is going to put him in the top 40, absolutely, and I think he's got a good chance to sneak in maybe a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 if all things break his way because David Montgomery – Although the offense should be getting better, and I think that's going to help Montgomery, I don't think Montgomery's that good of a prospect, and he's definitely not a good enough pass catcher to keep Tariq Cohen off the field on third down. So I think you're still going to see him in the backfield catching a lot of passes, just like he's done every year of his career, and I think that's going to provide him the high enough floor that he could fill in on your fantasy team on any given week that you need him. You're not worried about uh, the Bears signing Damian Williams? 
Uh, let me summarize this. No. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right uh, with Tariq Cohen. Uh, he's going to have a better quarterback play for him this year, uh, whether it's Andy Dalton off the rip. He's better than Mitch or Justin Fields, who I think is obviously we know how much I love Justin Fields. Um you're just going to have a better, more talent on offense just because you're a quarterback. You have Darnell Mooney, who I absolutely love as a receiver. Uh, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller. Uh, just The offense is, is pretty good. And the role that Tariq Cohen fills is is great for a maybe Matt, a Matt Nagy offense who maybe finally gets it together with some better quarterback play. As long as Tariq Cohen's healthy, he's going to get the top 40, like Kyle said. Uh, he's got a high high upside to catch 40 to 50 balls because Dave Montgomery simply can't catch the football. It's not his job, not his thing. It's just it's he's bad at it. Um, yeah, Tariq Cohen's a perfect dust filler. Uh, stash him on your bench. It's like oh, I need I need a flex play this week. I got I got a guy and I buy. Yeah, Tariq Cohen. He's probably gonna give me 14 to 15 points. He's kind of like the James White. Yep. The new James White. Yep. I hope one of you brings up Darnell Mooney in a future show so I can go off on the kid. But today is not that time. <laughs> I love Darnell Murray. I know you do. I'm going to tell you yeah. why you're wrong, but not today. Okay. Oh, no, I'm shivering in my boots. Okay, my second RB sleeper is JV and don't call me Stephen Hawkins. He is RB83. I can't correct your redraft. damn grammar, but you can make jokes like that. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, JV and Hawkins. RB83 in redraft, therefore he is not drafted, and you shouldn't draft him. So why is he a sleeper? Because he ended up in the Atlanta Falcons, and he is a fairly good prospect profile. Yeah, he's a fairly good prospect profile. And uh, everyone wants the next James Robinson or um, Philip Lindsay, the undrafted late-round late guy that ends up popping off. I'm not saying Javion Hawkins is going to be that guy, but I think – if anybody has a chance, it's him because of the situation he's walking into. It's a good offense, really good offense. Uh, weapons all over the board, but they don't have a a locked and loaded running back, a guy they're willing to give a lot of carries or catches out of the backfield to. I think Javon Hawkins can be that guy. Uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, being that late, you don't have to spend any capital on him. You can wait till somebody uh, gets injured or you're looking at the waiver wire. You need some extra help with the running back position. See if he's getting any work and try to grab him before he does pop off. And, uh, yeah, he could be a guy that could start a few games for you, maybe even become um, like a playoff hero for you later on in the season. So look out for JV and Hawkins. Uh, not exactly a sleeper, more of a uh, just wait and see kind of guy, but I think he Deep has potential. Sleeper. So keep an eye on him. Yet the theme to all of these, which gives me hope for all of them is that they're all ambiguous backfields. They're all backfields where we don't know who's going to be in, in the front of whether a committee or someone is going to take the lead. But when you want to talk about a committee where you're fighting with the likes of Cordero Patterson or Quadri Allison for catches. And yeah, I know Mike Davis had a great year last year, but still he's not exactly worrisome for me. If I'm a fantasy owner, why not take a shot on one of these guys? He was an undrafted free agent, which gives you a little bit pause, but We've seen undrafted free agents, even as recently as Corey Lindsley, come in and have fantasy relevance. So Corey Lindsley, or sorry, did I say Corey yeah. Lindsley? Yeah, he ran Phillip real Lindsley. well. <laughs> no, gosh, I did not mean to hate him on boy like Pulling that. Philip Lindsley, <laughs> Pulling center. Yeah, sorry, Corey. Got R. on his horse. I do got out there already. My boo. <laughs> My boo. <All> right. Devin, <laughs> close us out with your last sleeper. Uh, 
Brett loves this guy. Seattle uh, loves this guy. We yeah. all love this guy. No, they don't. Rashad Penny. <laughs> um, why do I have him as a sleeper for a guy who didn't get his fifth-year option picked up? Because I think if this guy is finally going to be healthy this year, this obviously this is his last hoorah in Seattle if doesn't work out for him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and to say he's healthy. He has the potential to sort of do what we think Tariq, Tariq Cohen can do. I'm not saying he's as dynamic as a player because we don't know because the guy never plays. The flashes he has played, he's looked superb. I remember two years ago when we were making our playoff run, uh, lost the wild card of the Cowboys, not going to get into that. Uh, we were using the, the split back system quite often, and Deshaun Penny had a couple of really awesome games, and then you know what happened? He got hurt again. Um, if this guy's healthy, I think he's he's the he's the prime. He's not. I think he's a hundred percent the primary pass catching running back. I don't know if anybody out here besides me watches Seahawks games. Like obviously, when their teams their teams on, they're not going to watch Seahawks games. When their teams not on, do they turn into Seattle games? If you tune into Seattle games, you'll know Chris Carson's not a very good pass catcher. Uh, he drops the ball quite often. He had a game winning touchdown or a go ahead touchdown. Uh, I believe I can't remember who it was against. It was last year, but he almost dropped it. He was wide open, and he has one of the best passers throwing in the ball, Russell Wilson. And you're gonna drop an e- an, an easy one like that? Sorry, okay, rant. Um, <laughs> Chris Carson, I'll just I'll read I'll read you his targets and receptions the last two seasons. He had 46 targets last year, 37 catches. 47 targets, 37 catches. Uh, he's just not a guy. And 287, 266 yards. He's just not a guy who catches passes. That should be Rashad Penny. He should be the primary second back. There's no Carlos Hyde this year. The opportunity is there for Rashad Penny to f- actually be something relevant in fantasy football. He just has to be on the field. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we already talked about uh, Sony Michelle and how they did not pick up the fifth-year option for him. The other running back who went in the first round of that draft, Rashad Penny, went a few picks, just a few picks before Michelle. Rashad Penny also had his fifth-year option turned down, so... He's yep. most likely out there playing for a job. If if he doesn't show out this year, if he gets injured again, then this is probably the end of his mm-hmm. relevant contract year analytics. Right. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see. I'm not a huge fan of this one, but like Devin said, he can do some things that Chris Carson can't. So he should be able to get himself on the field. And if he takes advantage and starts living up to what everyone thought he could be three four years ago, then maybe he salvages some sort of relevance. I remember when he broke all of uh, Marshall Falk's records at San Diego State, and everybody was like, yeah. hey, he's the next Marshall Falk. And I was like, yeah, no. And I drafted him anyway. <laughs> well, he was very similar to Kareem Hunt, who at the same time just had his breakout, or maybe that next year he broke out and had that huge year. And he was so comparable because both of them were so accelerated at uh, breaking tackles. And that was the biggest thing. Like, I want to say he led the NCAA in broken tackles that year that he came out, but just hasn't lived up to it since. Yeah. Well, boys, it was good. It was fun. Episode three in the books. Say goodbye to the beautiful people. Goodbye to beautiful people. Um, see you guys later. Um, I tweet still. Despawn 3D8. Come through. Like Drake says. Get your ass in that car or get your ass on that phone, I guess. Yeah, you know we got things to do. Yeah, we got tweets to send, so get your ass on Twitter and come through. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Get me, get, get me out of here. Knock please. that off. Hit me up, FF Master Debater. <laughs> Dude, we didn't have a Hanson reference on this episode. That's, Dude, that's first wrong. one. That's yeah. wrong. Uh, it's Rick never and Morty. too late. What are we doing? It's never oh. too late for a Hanson reference. <laughs> You guys want to harmonize on the way out of here?
Bye. 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 Bye.